what's up everything well winger rolled the die it landed on one and we've now entered the darkest timeline the blues missed out on matthew kachuk they've done little to improve their roster this summer and now it's time to figure out the fallout Ian's got one arm, Gift Jeff has taken to the bottle, and Justin has an irrepressible fear of troll dolls. We'd better get this recorded quick before we are all using voice boxes, or Gift Jeff does something crazy like welcome the sun to the world. This podcast is the most momentous thing to happen on August 6, 2022, especially to a member of our small podcast family. So let's get started, and let's go blues. And the station master's daughters would be searching high and low, saying, Skimble, where is Skimble? For unless he's very nimble, then the night mail just can't go. At 11.42, with the signal overdue, and the passengers all frantic to a man, that's when I would appear and I'd saunter to the rear, I'd be busy in the luggage van. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the darkest timeline mm-hmm. on the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Saturday, August sixth, in the dog days of summer, and what dog days they have been for the St. Louis Blues this summer. Um, yeah, it, it hasn't been fun, uh, Ian. Um, I'm trying to be positive, you know, be. <laughs> This is you positive. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be uplifting and say, hey, a lot of off-season left, but there's not. Um, off-season's pretty much over. I just feel like I feel upset at Doug Armstrong for many reasons. And I know some people feel the same way, and some people insist that you're not allowed to feel that way. Um I don't know. Where are you at, Ian? Um, I'm. I think I'm on the. I'm closer to the acceptance phase of all of this. Unfortunately, maybe fortunate for me, but um, probably say this multiple times. I feel like I said this a lot in the last podcast too. But this feels like a very uh, 2016, 2017 blues season where they'll be competitive they'll win they'll win some games there'll be some storylines and they won't do much of the playoffs and that was a transition season doug armstrong um i don't know if he's really talked about this being a transition season but i know multiple writers um rutherford included have referred to this season as maybe being a transition season um which is never (laughs) no one's ever in a transition season and they're like and we'll win the cup um no that means that you're transitioning to something different and i don't know what the transition is because we didn't really make one we just we just brought (laughs) nick letty back and they've run left the transitions to to worse but like there's not even that much of a transition and that was kind of the problem anyways was that 
we didn't we didn't really do anything and the things we the few things we did do aren't that exciting um or are flat out in Franz case like wrong it was wrong um thank you that's uh, right. john tortorella so i mean the bomb that Kachuk got moved to florida and got traded you know mm-hmm. for for jonathan huberdo and mackenzie Weger and a pick in like the year 2092 or whatever and some, <laughs> and some other prospect i mean i will agree when people say well the blues couldn't have matched that um i agree we don't have a 100 point player to give them that's for sure that's that's for true um but it just stinks that we weren't we weren't even like close to being able to get yeah. on that's the it feels like we could have been but uh-huh. we definitely weren't weren't when the reported offer was Tarasenko Scandella in a first and I'm like dude this is I, I like Vladimir Tarasenko don't get me wrong but this is your trash you're trying to give them your trash uh-huh. this is that's like a fan trade that's seriously like a fan trade we give him Tarasenko who's not going to be here next year and he won't resign there we give him Scandella who we don't want because he sucks and we throw in a first and they'll give us Matthew Kachuk and it's like that was never going to happen it feels yeah. like a half-ass attempt so like they're like we tried yeah, I mean, it's, I, I I don't know. I did listen to the 32 Thoughts they released a week or so ago, and um, Elliot kind of elaborated that he thought, you know, it might not have been that that was our offer to um, Calgary so much as it was that those were players we felt like we had to move to make mm-hmm. a trade happen, like we had to get Tarasenko and um right scandalous contracts off the book and like either way i have no sympathy because you set the situation up for yourself which is what i keep coming back to with this team and there are people out there who just want to be apologists for doug armstrong and i'm not trying to sit here and say he's the worst gm in hockey or anything all of a sudden but like he's put himself in this situation and it's his fault and i don't have like a lot of a lot of sympathy for him when I feel like, you know, he's made this happen to himself. Um, He has signed all these contracts, you know, he's not like a GM that came in and inherited some bad contract situation. He's signed every contract on this team, except, you know, the ones he's traded for. Um, But he owns the Shen deal. He owns the sod deal. He owns the, you know, fought Krug and Pareko deals and he owns the Letty decision and the Bennington decision. And listen, I, we have both known for at least two years that there was at least the outside, maybe the very good possibility that Matthew could Chuck could become available, you know? And if you know that, and you know, he probably wants to play in St. Louis and you can't be in the position to take advantage when he wants to play in St. Louis, that's on you, man. That's your fault. That's your problem. And, you know, the Panthers were in a worse cap situation than we were when they made this trade. They still got it done because Matthew Kachuk is a game-changing player, you know, and and is a guy you can build a young core around. And, um you know, I'll get over it. At least he didn't go someplace awful like Dallas or Nashville or something terrible. But like, 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I can, you know, watch him play down here once or twice a year or something. But oh, like, yeah. I just, it, if, if I had already had a good feeling about the off season and we missed on that, I would have been like, oh, well, you know, whatever, we mm-hmm. can still make it work. But the fact that it seemed like our whole off season was kind of hinging on making that major move. And then we weren't apparently anywhere close. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, Doug. I don't get the game plan. And and we haven't, I mean, we talked plenty about the whole signing Letty and letting David Perron go, but the more stuff that comes out from Perron's camp, the more upsetting that gets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know there are people out there that are going to do the, well, you know, it's about the team. He didn't fit the cap structure. They made an offer, whatever he didn't want it. He wanted more money. And it's like, yeah, man, I get that. But like nobody, nobody has really given me an honest explanation of why Nick Weddy is more important to this team than David Perron. Mm-hmm. Because like he's not he's not good. And I know we I know we've beaten this horse probably the last few episodes, but like Nick Weddy is not a good defender. I'm sorry. He was okay. It, it's just so exactly the same thing as the Marco Scandella extension to me. Because, you know, he he was bad. He was really bad. And then he came here and he was okay for like Mm -hmm. the two year, the two months that he played here. And then people were like, he's great. He's improved the defense. And it's like, you don't know, not for four years. You don't give him a four year deal. Give him one year deal. Give him a two year deal if you have to. But like four years you're committing to this guy. I just, I don't. I don't get what Doug Armstrong is doing. And usually I feel like I at least have some idea what mm-hmm. he's doing. Yeah. I was going to say this, this kind of leads a mess. This kind of leads into a question that I read for in the athletic for uh, Rutherford's mailbag or somebody named Sam K asked, what is the feeling in the blues front office right now? We keep hearing how they feel. This is their window yet. I don't think you can project them as a playoff team. If you get last year's goaltending from Bennington, is there more coming? Has their timeline changed? And JR had had a very long answer, but he said it's a fair question. And since Blues general manager Doug Armstrong isn't going to lay out his honest feelings, here's how I see it. Number one, with the lengthy contract term for several aging players, they are in their championship now window and have to win sooner than later. Can they? I don't think they're a legit Stanley Cup team, as in top five, but while they've taken a step back this summer, I do believe they're still in the next tier of teams, number six through 10. I'm like, uh, maybe on the, maybe number 10, maybe that's one of those. We're top 10 in the league. Which one? 10. <laughs> we're, we're top 11 teams in the league. Oh, well, that must mean you're 11. Um, but he says, but you're right. Bennington has to play well. If he doesn't, there's a chance they don't make the playoffs. Thing is, you could say that about all the top teams. Another thing, there was nothing Armstrong could have done this summer to make you more comfortable about that. Uh, he says, if you're thinking about cap space, um, if you think more cap space would have kept Billy Huso around, that's not true because Huso told the athletic that Bennington's contract situation was one of the reasons he left. I mean, I didn't think they're going to keep Huso anyways. I just think there are better options than Thomas Grace. Um, I think that's a big thing too, is like, there's a lot of um, ifs with this team. I guess you have mm-hmm. a lot of that in any preseason, but you need Jordan Bennington to be Bennington of you know the playoffs or or seasons prior if he stumbles there's you can't have Thomas Grice as like your starter that dude's not winning you games um you hope that he just makes you dry even you hope he's just 500 um mm-hmm. 
then you don't have Perron who had a 20 plus full season. So you make up for that with, by committee, like Nolachari is not scoring 20 goals. Um, you hope, you hope Kairu scores some more. You hope Thomas gets a little more scoring touch. You hope everyone pulls themselves up by their bootstraps. But again, last year you had nine forwards with 20 plus goals and that's not happening this year. So mm-hmm. by like almost de facto, you're going to have less goals scored this year and then minus Perron. Um, so you got You have a lot of ifs there. And then you, again, if Nick Letty can play, you know, halfway decently and it's like, if all of those things hit, yeah, now you're a middling playoff team. But if any of those things miss and they're like, we can't score anymore um, on the power play in particular, our defense still stinks. Um, Bennington goes down for an extended period of time or hits a rough patch. It's like, there's not, there's not a lot of safety nets there for this team. Um, I feel like their depth is just lacking in terms of like quality. And I mean, JR is right that like the way the contracts are structured, this is like our win now because we have people on long-term deals and it's just who you have because um, you're not moving some of these guys, but it's like, sure, it's win now, but like you don't have, you just don't have the horses to win now. And yeah. I think what's annoying is there just wasn't any, there just wasn't any movement towards making this team much better. I feel like this is another one of those. Ah, eh, we're again, maybe we're in the top 10, maybe we're team number 10 or whatever. And we're just going to kind of throw it at the wind and be like, well, I hope lady luck is in our favor. And we get carried by that because there's just not, it's not there for me. And it's, it's kind of disappointing because, you know, I'm still going to pay attention to the season. I'm still going to root for him. Anything can happen, all that jazz. But like, I feel like I'm already looking into next summer. I'm already looking past the season. I'm like, okay, well, um, Tarasenko will be gone. There's a chance O'Reilly's gone. You got to, you got to sign Cairo. Um, so, I mean, next summer will be a little more interesting because if they flounder this year, you, get, you would think you would hope that with whatever added cap space they get from losing both those guys next year, they'll go out and make some sort of splash. But especially when you have a Cairo and a Thomas and a neighbors and these guys that are young and you want to be able to use them um, and not just say, Oh, we're going to go through a, you know, a retool or rebuild through or like these guys prime years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's yeah. be interesting. I mean, I, I feel like if, if, if they really think that our window is right now, then our window is over. Like I, <laughs> I, it's just, nobody can argue. There's nobody can argue that we're a competitor. Uh, nobody with the rosiest friggin' emerald glasses, which I realize are two different colors, could possibly could possibly believe that we're actually a contender in a league w- w- with teams like Colorado and Tampa and Florida and Toronto and, and Vegas. And, you know, like we're like you said, if we're in the six of ten group, then we're probably closer to eight, nine, ten than top six and like that's a fine place to be on any year but if you think you're at the end of your window then your window's over and you're done and you got to rebuild but then you don't make decisions like you would make to rebuild like not signing Nick Letty for four years you know like Mm -hmm. it their you their decision every decision this team made this year to me struck me as like somehow incongruent with the other decisions they made like if you really think you're a win now competitor 
and this is the year, put up or shut up. You find a way to keep David Perron. You don't let him go and say, well, we don't have the cat space for him. He scored, what was it? He scored 25 goals last year, 30 goals almost. Like, I forget mm-hmm. the exact number, but, um, and I know people say, well, he's going to take a step back. And it's like, I don't care because a step back is still probably 20 plus goals. Um, and I just, I don't know. It, it really feels like they bungled the hell out of this offseason. And, you know, unless they've secretly traded Tarasenko to the Islanders and just can't tell anybody because Lou, <laughs> Lou Lamorello is so cute and he doesn't tell anybody his offseason moves until Labor Day. Isn't that adorable? <laughs> um, then I just think, I just think they really botched it this summer. I think they really got it wrong on a number of levels, and I don't think there's any real way to pretend otherwise, honestly. I do. I really do wonder about what happens next summer if you lose someone like O'Reilly, because even if you are one of those fans as well, you know, age curve, he's getting older. We, we don't want to have sign over too much for too long. I get all that for sure, but you have like a gaping hole now. And it's Thomas and Shen, who's like mm-hmm. not even the best center, and he's older too. It's like you're you you, you got to have like a hard retool if you lose O'Reilly, I think. And the thing is, in this like mailbag too, someone was saying, would you sign O'Reilly to a six or seven year deal at six million per year? Which I which I wouldn't do, but he was asking Jr. and he said, would he give St. Louis a discount? Uh, would Doug Armstrong give him a no movement clause? And JR said, I would resign O'Reilly, but not for that money. I'm thinking more along the lines of three years and a $5 million AAV. I know that sounds low, uh, but people were thinking they could sign Perron for five to six million. He said, and really it would have been four to 4.5. Um, he says, I don't know for sure that O'Reilly would take less, but yes, Armstrong offering up a rare no movement clause might make it work. And to me, I think when JR is like, oh, it's going to be 5 million for three years, you know, or 5 million a year for three years. I just think he's going to get more unless he wants to stay here. Like he's definitely going to get more from some other team, a flyers, perhaps, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if that, you know, that's JR's speculation, but if that's the blues offer and they, you know, we've seen them play hardball with Petrangelo, we've seen them play it with Perron. So you can't tell me they're going to be like, Oh, but they're going to roll out the red carpet for O'Reilly. If he's gone, then I think you, you have to, you have to retool. No one says rebuild anymore. I mean, I definitely don't agree that no, like strip it down to the bones, but they definitely got to do make some major changes at that point. Um, and I think it all kind of hinges on this year, right? Like it depends on how he plays. It depends on how Cairo plays. Like Cairo, I think is not getting an extension. Like I think they're going to, they're going to, the blues are hoping that, I mean, I guess the blues hope he plays amazing, but I think it's going to be something of like, Hey man, if you don't replicate last year, then you're not getting that eight million a year like Thomas, you know. But if you do replicate last year, you'd even better, you know. That's a bet the Blues are willing to take and say, "Well, shit, now I got to pay you, pay you out the butt," um, and we can because Tarasenko's off the books or whatever. But there's just a lot of a lot of question marks and a lot of play this season that could, I think, needs to lead to change no matter what. But I think it could really go from um, change in the positive direction in terms of like, oh, we're opening another window or change in the quote unquote negative direction of we need to retool, which isn't necessarily a negative. It's just they're, they're going to have to take a step back competitive wise to like fix some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. 
The Blues' real problem, I think, is on defense, as much as we talk about Perron and Kairou and whoever, because they are spending the third most of any team in the league on defense. Only the Avalanche and Bruins are ahead of them. And yet last season, they finished fourth from the bottom in expected goals against. Um, They have 23 million committed to their de facto top four. And by de facto, I mean literally the four most expensive players who are now Falk, Krug, Pareko, and Luddy. Um, They have 29.625 million all in committed to their defense this season in a flat cap year. Um, And all but 1.9 million of that which is Nico Mikola's contract carries through next season, which will be 28 million. They then have 23.5 million committed through 2025-26, 19.5 million committed through 2026-27, and Pareko's abysmal 6.5 million all the way through 2029-2030. They really have created this own grave for themselves and yet they do not have a good defense and that that's what's really upsetting they want to be a team built on defense their defense isn't good and they can't undig that grave now they're just in it and maybe they can find creative ways to alleviate some of that pressure you know maybe they can find a taker for a krug or maybe even a pareko if he has a decent season but first of all they have to have the balls to make those moves which i'm not sure they would if a pareko had a good season for example um and second of all even if they had did move those guys then they'd have to find other solutions on defense so i really think you know, I I hate to be overly negative, but I just don't. I really thought there was a pathway to us remaining relevant, staying younger up front. Um, you know, getting better in areas while we kind of adjust in different areas and being really good again two or three years down the line. Um, I think we kind of missed that, and I think we're in a situation now where you really do have to start looking at a creative retool rebuild. And I'm not sure that the front office is in that mindset yet. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're not. And I think that's one of the most dangerous positions you can be in because if you aren't good enough and you spend a couple more years pretending that you are good enough, you just dig the grave deeper. You know, what, what seems to be working now is what, teams like the Rangers did, you know, even as, as, as shitty as I think it is, and as classless as I think it is, even what the Blackhawks are doing, um, you know, like if you recognize that you're not there and you're not going to be there, you need to tear it down as quickly as possible. So you can build it back up as quickly as possible and have assets that are worth trading and getting some value for. So um, the blues haven't done it. And uh, I'm a little worried about how they are going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say shout out to the Panthers for going out and making a, a ballsy move and getting a guy that changes their franchise's outlook for the long term. Um, they paid a ton. I think people, you know, they paid a lot. And a lot of people kind of said, what's Florida thinking? I think Florida's thinking they weren't re-signing either of those guys in two years. We mm-hmm. saw what Jonathan Huberdeau made last night. Maybe he doesn't make that on the open open market. Maybe that's stay in Calgary money. But 
even if he's making nine or 10, I don't think Florida can pay that with Bobrovsky and Barkov and all those people on the books. And I don't think anyone in their right mind should pay that for Jonathan Huberdeau. So that's a separate problem. <laughs> Mackenzie Weger, I think is a really good defenseman, but they've got Aaron Ekblad, so he can't be their number one. And, um, you know, I think they're looking at, they're doing exactly what a good team should do. They're looking at two assets that are going to, expire worthless for them and they're flipping them and getting a major young star for them and they're trading a, a first round pick who's a 15 year old right now you know and and maybe that hurts them in the long 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 term but right now uh they're sitting pretty 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 i guess is what i was going to say and and good for them and good for the flames too i guess for keeping huberto although i would not have even dreamed of giving him that number but you know, I they had to keep somebody, I guess, right. after all this, and, and now they've done it. So good for them on that. Yeah, I gotta give credit to True Living for at least like getting players of consequence out of this. Like uh, you kind of figured, you figured they had to give the fact that they're trading Kachuk, but it was still like, well, I don't know if he wants to be traded. You're just gonna have to take the best offer the other team has. But it's kind of crazy that they actually gave them another hundred point player plus. Um, so, I mean, good for them because I do think if they had just gotten, I don't know, a ton of like really great prospects and a bunch of picks and blah, blah, that'd be nice. But you'd still have these like this ginormous gaping hole where Goodrow and Kachuk were. Mm-hmm. And now at least that you have Hubert, Huberto in there and Uyghur, it feels like you can like more than buoy your team and be be interesting and be relevant because um, without those two and nothing fun to replace them, it was just going to be... I mean, honestly, I I felt really bad for the Flames. I thought that was going to be like hell on earth after being like having a great season, then getting bounced by your your provincial rival, and then having this happen the summer after. It was just going to be like, wow, the uh, 22-23 season was a real a real kick to the nuts for for the Flames. But they good for true living. Um, he went and he met Huberto in Montreal, I guess, and like talked to him and and talked about future plans for them and that's always a big pat on the back for for gms i'd like how they always write these like think pieces like for living really like this person with, yeah this person talked to their player like the player was a human being Great I know, job. Like, wow <laughs> i know they're like i can't believe it it's just outstanding stuff and i'm like okay i think that's what you always do but all right with the bar the bar is so low in hockey these days so yeah anything anything at all yeah, I mean, all all told, it's it's you know, I think it's a big, it's a major, massive, shocking trade, and those are always fun to see. Um, but you know, it, I don't know. I think both teams did pretty well, all things considered. Um, so fun for them, I suppose. Uh, it's the NHL, and it's the summer, so not a lot of other things have happened. Um, I suppose John Klingberg signed his one year deal. Um, Oh yeah, the Ducks. Uh, I think um, I think Nazem Kadri is probably an Islander since he's not in anything yet. And, <laughs> which I just like the NHL has got to go in and be like, no, you don't get to get do this, Lou. This is fucking stupid. Yeah, <laughs> like, you got to like announce these. Well, why don't I actually have to? And I'm like, sure, but like yeah, I- you do. What really bothers me about, above anything, though, is all the people going, oh, isn't it so funny? It's like, no, it's idiotic and stupid, and it does no good for him, and it's shitty for his fans, 
and you know like this is how like steve dangle hates like west macaulay yeah and like i i sort of half agree with them but like this is like our version sort of because i feel like everyone else is like this is fun he's a fun old man and i'm like this is so lame just fucking don't be a weird curmudgeon or whatever don't be this weird you can't have facial hair dude dude it's not like 1950 people have facial hair in hockey in like your era how can you even be like we didn't used to do that like yeah you did yeah yeah i don't understand that guy at all also if i was islander like i guess he's done well with islanders but if i was an islander fan i'm like we gotta get this like 85 year old crypt keeper out of here like seriously (laughs) like i can't handle like a beyond geriatric man like running this team yeah no i agree with that completely um other hockey news that you're aware of that we should be talking about before we dive in dive into jr's mailbag and just answer those questions for ourselves uh, <laughs> um man is there anything i feel like there's nothing like there's no things um the sharks have a coach now it's it's whoever quinn the guy that used oh, to yeah, coach David like the rangers quinn. snooze yeah you snooze you lose sharks <laughs> you snooze you lose uh but uh no there, there's like nothing that's dried up everyone's on vacation they're at their cottage um which i think is just a cabin that's like a weird thing for canadians again kind of like how they do they don't have cliff notes they have cole's notes you know they don't say someone's in the hospital they say they're in hospital all that stuff they talk about going up to their cottage and i'm like that's just like a cabin right because like in minnesota they're like we're going to the cabin even if it's mm-hmm. not an actual cabin they people just call things cabins it can be a house just by a river or by a lake but like i don't know why they always are like oh we went up to the cottage because i assume like a really old person house <laughs> in like holland or whatever i'm like you have a cottage no um no that's it that's all i got well, we did JR- some we, we did some of these mailbag questions already but jr's starting a little staycation so you know good for oh, him yeah. Now's the time to break the story about the, I don't know, Bo Horvat trade. Like, what? You know, something out of left field. You talked about the feeling in the Blues front office. Everything sucks. Everyone's terrible. (laughs) On one hand, it feels like the Blues believe this is a year to soft retool. But on the other hand, they've made some moves that make you think Armstrong believes the window is open. Uh, I think this describes Armstrong's approach in a few of his 12 seasons at the helm. I'll go back to what I wrote in my last answer, evolving the roster. He's trying to remain competitive now, re-signing Weddy, keeping Tarasenko while making moves, signing Robert Thomas, not re-signing Perron to increase the chances of staying competitive in the future. Those are the opposite. You, uh, uh, I don't no. know how you can argue that not signing a guy to a two-year deal who's good is a long-term thinking, whereas signing a guy who sucks to a four-year deal is when now thinking. Like that's just fucking backwards, man. There's just I'm I'm sorry. There's people <laughs> are gonna think I like hate Nick Weddy personally. There's no excuse for the Nick Weddy contract. It's so bad. It's not, it's just so bad. He's not a good player. He hasn't been a good player for three years. And people can talk about he shut down Capritzoff in the playoffs all they want. 
it's just not a risk worth taking. There's no reason to gamble that he's going to be good for four years. Mm-hmm. You know, he just, ah, I'm sorry. I'll get off that, that whatever. But um, how much of a threat are the Blues to win the Western Conference? Not one. Zero. Um, <laughs> I don't want to keep repeating if players perform, but if players perform, I think they can be one of the top five teams in the West. Yeah, number five. In 2021-22, <laughs> numbers one through five in the conference were Colorado, Minnesota, Calgary, St. Louis, and Edmonton, with LA, Dallas, and Nashville next in line. Giving the Avalanche their due respect, I don't see why the Blues wouldn't be in the mix with the rest of them. Well, because Edmonton's way better. Um, Vegas is obviously going to be substantially better. Um, so those two teams are, are top three. Calgary's probably probably worse but maybe not as much worse as we would have thought um LA which should is be better which is more likely in 2023 the blues won a playoff round or they missed entirely i would say went around they have a lot to prove but they have a playoff caliber roster i'm not sure they do there will be some beatable teams in the opening round i mean this is the other like i feel like we keep ignoring the um elephant in the room that Jordan Bennington couldn't tend goal for most of last season. Mm-hmm. And I know we're all kind of talking about it like, oh, well, you know, if he's not better, it's going to be bad. And it's like, yeah, what if he's not better? You know, <laughs> like, I well, that's just, not, we've seen it happen. Not only is it bad now, but it's also like the end of any hope we have of competing at any point in the mm-hmm. next. Oh, yeah. If, if Bennington you know, goes like, down, they're going to have to go out and make like a goalie move, a goalie trade. Find the you know find the backup yeah, that's performing well because they yeah cause... but they can't trade him so it's and they don't have the cap space so it's like what are they going to do? That's true. You you sink and swim with Thomas Grace. Um, why has Armstrong become oh Chris D giving it to him? Such a weak <laughs> GM, Letty over Perron, and not even the respect of an offer to Perron. Failure to get Kachuk from Calgary. How is Tarasenko still on this team? Armstrong should have got what he could for Tarasenko and then signed Perron and quit giving every 30-year-old an eight-year contract extension or trade protection. You may not agree with some of Armstrong's moves, says JR, non-moves, but you can't argue with this. Since he took over in 2010, the Blues had the fifth highest rate regular season point percentage and an eighth most playoff wins in the NHL. That doesn't give him a get out of jail free card, but I would like it to. Um, <laughs> it probably gives him the benefit of the doubt until things play out. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I, you, Those numbers aren't that, aren't that impressive when you have like the eighth most playoff wins. I'm like, okay, that's okay. Yeah. It's not 12. It's not third, you know? I, and I also like, that's such a hard pivot for him. He's like, I know I, you might not agree with all those things you said about, but here's two numbers. It's also like you don't have to give him. I, this is another thing that I just hate. It's like he doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt if he's making clearly objectionable moves. It could work out for him, but that he has to prove that just as much as like, you know, just as much as anybody else has to prove it when they do something stupid at their job, you know? <laughs> If I do my job and they're like, hey, why'd you set this computer on fire? <laughs> I don't, I don't I think you got to give me the benefit. Of yeah. the, I've done some <laughs> pretty gotta, good stuff. For you. Why don't we, why did you wait for this to play out? Huh? <laughs> um, 
do you know how the Blues number of no trade clauses compared to other teams? Uh, they are um, tied for most with Tampa Bay Lightning. The big difference there being the Tampa Bay Lightning, good team. Um, he's given out plenty of no trade clauses because he prefers them to no movement clauses. He's not opposed to no trades because if it gets to that with the player and either side will want the relationship and eventually part ways, that's up for debate because it can make it more difficult. For example, the club wanted Tarasenko, but he wouldn't waive his NTC. Then what? Then again, Armstrong could tell you that Tarasenko wasn't going to sign that eight year, 60 million deal in 2015 without the no trade clause and when signing a free agent etc perhaps you don't get the player without the no trade clause or maybe you have to pay him more oh yeah god forbid if we didn't have tory kruger and marco scandella on this team all that said the blues and lightning have handed out the most trade clauses no trade clauses and they are tied with seven the rangers have six and everybody else has five or less um This is a question about what goes into people waiving their uh, no movement clause. I don't know if there's anything there that uh, is really worth reading. So I'm going to keep moving on. Um, if Tarasenko is to be traded, what do you think his actual value would be with that little that Max Pacioretty and Oliver Bjorkstrand went for? I think Tarasenko's trade value is quite a bit less than many fans think. For those who didn't see it, Vegas traded Pacioretty to Carolina for future considerations and Columbus sent Bjorkstrand to Seattle for third and fourth round picks. These two moves show how hard it is to move cap when you have to, like Columbus needing the cap space for Johnny Gaudreau. Armstrong could trade Tarasenko for nothing, but he doesn't have to, to or want to. He'd rather get Tarasenko's production in 2022-23 and then let him walk next summer than not have him next season. But we keep letting, first of all, I'm sorry, Ian. Do you have thoughts before I launch on a tirade? No, you go for it. I just, first of all, they're not comparable because those two were clear and obvious salary cap dumps. And mm -hmm. we're in a situation where we don't have to get rid of Tarasenko. So if you want him, you have to earn him by trading him a decent amount for him. Second of all, it, it would be fine to say, well, we'll take his production this year and let him go this let next year. If you hadn't done that five years in a row with different players. And maybe you wanted to keep Petrangelo, maybe you wanted to keep Perron this year, but like every year lately, you've let a franchise-defining player or a significant franchise player walk for free and not gotten anything for them. And that's how you get into a rebuild faster than anything. He used to not do that. He didn't let Shattenkirk walk for free. He didn't let Stastny walk for free. And he made those decisions when his team was somewhat competitive and keeping them might have given him a playoff berth. And you know what? They won a Stanley Cup as a result. So um, He definitely did used to be a little more cutthroat with that. That's for sure. It felt like at least like you'd pull a shoot when you were like, yeah, we're still, I mean, we thought we were bad, but the rest of the NHL back, I thought they were doing okay. And it's like, he was like, I'm not seeing it. And I just don't know why he doesn't not see it now, you know. Um, in the Kachuk sweepstakes, it sounds like the Blues offered Tarasenko and Carolina offered Martin Natchez. Would a Tarasenko for Natchez trade be realistic? He says Natchez is a nice player, but his career high are 16 goals and 41 points. So the Blues will be losing a lot of potential production. Yeah, he's 23, so he could be part of your future. But as I mentioned in my last response, Armstrong will prefer Tarasenko's production next season. Well, then he's wrong. 
Where was the breakdown between Armstrong and Perron's camp, and why does this always seem to happen with fan favorites? I realize Armstrong is an emotional GM, but sometimes it's worth throwing a guy like Perron a bone, no? It appears that Armstrong knew months ago that he probably wouldn't be bringing Perron back and was fine with that. He's aware of Perron's relationship with the fans, but I can guarantee that's not on his radar. Uh, We may think about throwing bones to certain players, but Armstrong has shown that he doesn't. Um. I just have, I really have a problem with that. This is a fan driven sport. Mm-hmm. So you don't get, I'm sorry, you don't get to be the guy who's like, oh, I don't care what the fans think. It's literally your job to care what the fans think. That doesn't make, mean you make every decision the fans want, but you also can't just ignore that. I, um, mm-hmm. I just, it just sucks. The Peron thing really just sucks. And it, it makes me, feel gross about this team um in general but uh and especially about Doug but why would Perron pick a rebuilding Red Wings team at the stage of his career instead of a contender who can win the Stanley Cup in the next two years uh he said Steve Eiserman pitched in the Red Wings staff is full of players who were longtime Red Wings and re-signing with them after two years seems like a stronger possibility um, and Perron also played with Red Wings assistant GM Sean Horkoff in Anaheim. In light of Perron finishing his third tour of duty, is there any active former Blues player who could you could see putting on the Blue Note again? Vince Dunn, Ryan Reeves, Pat Maroon, Alex Petrangelo, or Perron for a fourth time? On that list, I'll go with Perron, but I'll say it's a one-day contract to retire with the Blues as well. Screw you. Um, are the Blues developing a reputation around the league for not being loyal to their players? Is it a concern that players might not want to come here or resign here? I can't imagine the Perron situation sat well with O'Reilly, who's up for a not, no new contract. I'm not dismissing the question, but it's a business, which sounds like dismissing the question. <laughs> after Petrangelo left, Pareko resigned, and after Ter- Tarasenko's trade request, Pavel Buchnevich signed. They obviously see those situations, and it's probably a little eye-opening, but they're worried about their own careers. As far as O'Reilly, I spoke with him recently, and he was really bummed out for Perron, but I'm not sure it will have an impact on his own situation. Um, you talked about the O'Reilly six or seven year deal at six million. That's uh, mm-hmm. insane at this point in his career. Um, mm-hmm. He talks about whether the Blues did their research on um, the Canada World Junior um, horrendous situation um, on before resigning Thomas. Uh, you know, we talked last uh, did we actually talk about I don't remember when we last podcasted. I think we must have talked about Thomas coming out and saying that he's <clears throat> not involved. Um yeah, I think we mentioned it. He said, How would you handicap the odds that Jake Neighbors comes into training camp and solidifies the top nine role? He says, assuming neighbors plays as well as he did in last year's camp, I really like his chances of making the opening right roster. There's a spot in the top nine with Perron not coming back. And if Shin is the third line center, I like the potential chemistry between Shin and neighbors. If not, he could play on the fourth line, but I like him better on the third line. Um, he says, he's asked, do you think Bullduck will get a nine game trial this season? Uh, it may depend on the blues cap situation, but I think there's a chance he does receive the nine game trial. If neighbors is in St. Louis though, I don't think they'll keep Bolduck the whole year, especially if he doesn't fit into the top nine. He does have another year of junior eligibility with the Quebec, Quebec rim parts. 
Uh, and I think that's where he'll play next season. They'll have a good team. And like Napier's gone back to junior last season, the Blues want to get that experience. What role do you see Noel Atari bringing to this team? I think they're getting a solid veteran who isn't big, but finishes checks and plays pretty heavy. He's played 300 games in the NHL and 54 playoffs games, including 19 with Boston in 2019. when the Blues played the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final. He can play out the lineup like he did in Florida with Jonathan Huberdeau. But I think the boys are hoping he'll help them find an identity on the fourth line. Uh, is Clem Costin a bust? Um, yes. <laughs> yes. He says, if he can't seize it now, I'm not sure he ever will. Thoughts on Dom's list that includes Pareko as one of the worst contracts. Uh, all due respect to Dom, I don't really agree with it. Um, his ice time against top lines alone makes him worth $6.5 million. I mean, not if he's not performing, my guy. Um, I, I know Dom was focused on the later stages of the contract. There are a lot of deals like that. Pareko has his shortcomings, but there are worse contracts on the boys roster. Ooh, who do you think that is? I mean, there aren't. There aren't because none of them go to 2029-30. Um, I guess Scandella is worse, but it's two years. Uh, what's going on with the group of defenders? Surely they don't plan on keeping eight defensemen on the roster. Um, Armstrong would trade Scandella if he could, but I don't think he can. I mean, yeah, you definitely could. Um, you can say, well, give somebody a draft pick to take him. That would free up some needed cap space, and that's fine. But Scandella does add some depth. Not a... Ian, take me away from this. Oh. <laughs> this mailbag is torturing. <laughs> Not a three. Uh, that's not what death is. What if Scott Brunovich can't stay healthy? Pick literally any person in the AHL, and they will be better than friggin' Marco Scandella. Whatever happened to our boy? Oh, is he gone now? Is what um, the- <laughs> <laughs> Steven spinning around? He's lost his mind. What if Scott Prunovich can't stay healthy? What if Nico Mikola's development stalls? What if you have an injury in your top four? It probably makes sense to move him, but what's the plan without him? To not have him. The plan without him is to not have a bad player who costs you almost $4 million a season. What are you talking about? What is? What are they talking about? Ian, what is he talking about? I feel like depth at this point is just like someone it's- who has played many games and many seasons in the NHL and isn't like pure garbage We've but, got he, but honestly it's literally just played many games and is on the team but like he's depth if he's gone then we'll have people that are new and young and have not played as many games and that's no good Death guys death. are like Callie. He is Rosen, Rosen, and like you know. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Friggin' Steven Santini or whoever the fuck. It's not. You don't play like Marcus. three point. However much money, yeah, three point two for depth. Yeah, as Frankie is pissed off, but He's angry. um. Uh, with Scandella clearly on the trade block for the last few months, why didn't Armstrong just buy him out before free agency? Does ownership not want to pay players to not pay for the team, play for the team, or is it something else? Armstrong hasn't bought out a player in 12 years on the job, and the ownership has no desire to play a play, to pay a player. He did say play, but I assume he meant pay, uh, not to be on the roster. But let's look at it. The Blues owe Scandella. Uh, 6.85 million and they'd be paying them 4.27 million to go away it would save them about 2.7 million on the cat next season but then he count 1.4 against it for two more years 
that space is a premium in today's flat cap, not to mention the need they might need to sign somebody to replace him. No, they don't. I don't. What, I Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> were you surprised by how much Mikola got? He said, yes, I was thinking closer to 1.2 or 1.5, but after averaging 17 minutes per game last season, playing some top merit <laughs> pair minutes, he did have arbitration rights. Uh, so I see why it costs them a little more. If you're the Blues, maybe you want more term. It would have cost you more on his AAV, et cetera. Um, it seems like Perunovic hasn't gotten the credit he deserves for his play last year. What's your ideal defensive pairing form? Um, he's still got some room to grow up five on five. It will be fun to see him play with Falk on a regular basis. But if everyone's healthy, that's going to be Kruger Luddy's spot. So perhaps Brunovich will get his feet wet in the third pair and find some games in the top four when the opportunity presents itself. And finally, what's the story on Charlie Lindgren? Did the Blues sign Thomas Grice before Lindgren signed with the Capitals or was it vice versa? The Blues wanted Lindgren, but Capitals were offering more term, three years, $3.3 million. So Lindgren went to the Capitals and the Blues responded by signing Grice. As you probably know, the goalie market was pretty bleak this summer, but the 36-year-old Grice does bring experience in an AAV $1.25 million that fits the team's cap situation that wasn't going to be a great solution after inevitably losing Huso. And that is the uh, Jeremy Rutherford article detailing the Blues' many woes this offseason in his latest mailbag. Ian is dealing with screaming dogs. I don't know if they quieted down. He's still muted, so I'm guessing not. I will continue to stall. They're, they're crazy, man. They, <laughs> they fucking hate this offseason and yeah, all other dogs. Ju- justifiable. They don't like dog Armstrong. That's um, right. <laughs> that's right. That's it for me, folks. Good night. I mean, they're they're interesting. At least, like I said, there's stuff going on next summer. There's contracts coming off the books, so like things can be interesting. I think for me, this would feel way more dire if, say, you did have Tarasenko or O'Reilly or all these guys kind of signed for even longer deals too, and you're like, man, we're like we're stuck here unless we, unless we make a trade, like there's just nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. At least there's going to be some turnover and change next summer, you would think. But yeah, I just, I just, I'm not, not amped. I'm not pumped. I feel like all of JR stuff too is very, is very tepid. It's just very like, this is, you know, Hey, you never know what could happen. And Hey, like Armstrong just didn't have the means to do this. And Hey, if everything works out, we'll still be, I just don't like that. There's all these ifs. And if the ifs come to fruition, we're not like, we're a cup team. It's like, no, we'll just be in the playoffs. If everything works out, we'll be in the playoffs. So it's like, well, I guess that's better than nothing, but it's, doesn't feel like there's a solid direction for this team right now. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's troubling to say the least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I looked in an article of the blues of, in the athletic of trade proposals for the blues mm-hmm. and they have one to Philadelphia. The blues send Tarasenko with 10% retained. Marco Scandella, Nico Mikola, Tanner Dickinson, and a first-round pick, and get back Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov, which, you know, isn't happening, but that was fun to read. That was uh, <laughs> borderline insane, so I did enjoy reading that. Um, I uh, 
I don't have a lot else on my mind because you know it's the hockey off season and it's time that people go bye bye and teams go to sleep. But anything else in the hockey world you want to talk about, Ian? Um, there was a leak for Chicago's new reverse retro oh, 2.0 jerseys, and they're so bad. They're sad. They're sad. They, I, they need to stop styles. making alternate jerseys because they haven't had a good one since like their first winter classic. This is the very first time they ever made an alternate jersey in I, the last like 12 years. I feel like part of it for them, and I mean which would you would think point to the underlying problem, but like their logo is historic. So they're kind of skating on the like, well, it's pretty racist, but we're going to like, you know, we're just going to slide it under the bar because there's only white people in hockey anyway. And, you know, um, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying that's how NHL front offices think. And, you know, it's historic, so we can get away on that. But like the minute they make a jersey that just like foxes with it a little bit, then it starts to look worse and worse. So they don't really have that option. And then they have to do the, you know, um, well, we'll just put Chicago on their Blackhawks or whatever. And and then it just they don't have that many choices. So um, I, I feel like one obvious choice they have, though, is like the C with their like third logo they have on their, uh, yes, their shoulder, sure. the yeah. C with the Tomahawks. I'm like, this is this is at least a little better than what you're running with and i'm like put that on the front baby but i feel like still they're like but then that's saying we have a different logo all of our other ones are like variations <laughs> of the native american head or it's just not that and it just says chicago or whatever yeah but like if we put another logo there like that's like we can't say that's our logo i'm like you're not it's a freaking third jersey jesus <laughs> christ just do it uh it's like they have it on hats i'm pretty sure like i've literally think the the really dope um Lollapalooza hat that i sent you a picture of a long time ago was that logo on the top and like you know pastel colors that i should have bought um and it was sick i was like just use that um i don't know what the blues are gonna do i'm very interested I think the biggest news about that like 2.0 um, reverse retro jersey was that like it's actually happening because I know mm. it was kind of rumored like, oh, they're going to do that again this year with different jerseys, uh, new designs and everything. But you just, the NHL hasn't promoted it at all. It's just been kind of rumored. So this with this leak, at least means that we'll be getting something like that. So that's cool. And then also, I guess, along those lines, the only other news in the mm. NHL has been that uh, Adidas is no longer going to be the uh, jersey makers after after not this season but the season after this so we have like two more seasons of adidas and then uh-huh. they're gone so yeah you're not getting reebok reebok was absorbed or bought by adidas and they're like gone now i don't think they're a company um or no they sold reebok again to some other company time for fanatics to join the fray oh, yeah, yeah. okay so people are shitting on fanatics jerseys um i don't want them to do the official jerseys sure totally fine i don't think they ever would because all they do is like replica stuff so like uh-huh. i don't they're not like in that business really no like i get that they are in a way but they're not that's not like they're not like first party apparel or whatever um they're for their fan stuff uh i don't know you get nike you want to make nike do it that's like the only other company i can think of you do like ccm or some of those old ones but i don't even know what those those companies are up to so Looks like yeah. Nike. Come on, Nike. Give me some weird 
color fades, you know, give me a color rush. I really want that, but I also feel like this is such a poverty league where two oh, years we'll never out, do that. Yeah. Um, two years out, they say, uh, "Yeah, we're we're done with the, we're done with this league." You know, like come mm-hmm. on, come on, NHL <laughs> has some self respect. Um, anything else on your mind? Any any uh, you know, video games, TV shows you've been watching? Got you know anything to give the 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 people a nugget before we sign off? A nugget. Um, I still gotta finish Elden Ring. Go play Elden Ring, folks. It's dope. Um, I'm thinking about like literally after we doing this, we do this upgrading the uh, PS5 subscription, which I've been putting off to get oh, yeah. like, their expanded game tier and seeing what's on there. Um, because you know, I'm I I do this midsummer cycle where like the MLB the show is all I do for a couple of months, and I'm finally getting towards like the end of the bell curve, you know, where I'm finally mm. sort of like maybe I gotta get off this bandwagon. Um, <laughs> I gotta get off this wild ride, that's right. Uh, but um, Shuhei's wild been, uh, ride. you know what, Ian, I'll, I'll talk about this. Uh, it's pretty personal, but I'm going to open up about it anyway. I've been watching a lot of Bar Rescue lately. (laughs) (laughs) What a a swerve. (laughs) Yeah, uh, no. um, That show, I'm I'm embarrassed by how much I love that show. It's so clearly fake in so many obvious ways, and I don't care. I just eat it up. I love love seeing someone yell at someone else. Oh, I just eat it up. It's a good time. And they all deserve it. All these people deserve it. John Taffer is like the, you know, he's like the Avenger of alcoholics, the alcoholic <laughs> Avenger. And uh, there is one bar that was on Bar Rescue that is still open in Jacksonville. And uh, we went a week or a week ago on Friday, and um, it was a hellhole. I've never been less uncomfortable in a place or more uncomfortable in a place but it was i'm pretty glad we went we had um a group of friends were celebrating uh somebody's last day in the company and we all had gone to like very nice this area called um atlantic beach which is a very nice area with very nice restaurants that all have like an hour-long wait on uh on a Friday night, you know, so we went out there, we got dinner at a, at a fancy Mexican place. And I was like designated driver. Cause that's the kind of wet blanket of a human being I am. And um, they were all, you know, they were all fairly, fairly deep in at this point. Um, and one of them was like, you know, we got to go to this bar rescue bar. Cause it's only like 10 minutes away. So we went and, you know, like the drive, it's, it's not like I drove through like the hood but i definitely drove through a hood you know and i should have been kind of like i don't know about this and then as soon as we got to the parking lot i was definitely like i really don't know about this uh but we went inside we were immediately forced to give high fives to like an overly drunk probable crackhead in you know in the in the uh bar and or meth head or some kind of head um didn't have a lot of teeth this gentleman i will just we'll just go with that and then we all got thank god we got bottled beers or one of us didn't but most of us did um and uh you know we drank them and left but it was just like it was so weird because it was like a smoking bar which i haven't been in in ages but that wasn't even the worst part of it because it was like they had a uh 
well, John Tafford gave them an Orange Door Entertainment System. I don't know how much Bar Rescue you've watched, <laughs> Ian, but an Orange Door Entertainment System uh, has over 60,000 songs preloaded onto it. It's like a DJ booth that you can take anywhere. Mm. Um, and they literally had it in a booth, but they were playing like club, like electronica dance music. But this was a bar that was like a dive bar at 11.30 PM on a Friday night. There were 17 people in there. <laughs> and it's like, why are you playing thumping dance music to this crowd of over 50 alcoholics? Uh, it was just like, it's one of those places where I'm glad other people were there to experience it with me so that I could go to them and be like, you also thought that was wildly uncomfortable, right? And they were all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I could finally go home and uh, go to bed in peace and wash the stink off of Captain Odie's. It's called Captain Odie's. Oh, this was the best part. Huh. So it's called Captain Odie's after the woman's grandfather, which I understand. But they, the sign says Captain and then it says O, but in the O, they put the face like a, a like a cartoon caricature of the guy. Mm -hmm. And then it says D is D-I-E. But it, because of the face in the O, it really looks like it's called Cat and Dies. And that's <laughs> just like a dude's portrait in the thing. Um, and uh, I couldn't get over that. And that was the best part of the night. So now we just talk about Cat and Dies. Um, ooh, can I can I show you? Oh, I can screen share real quick. I'll just screen oh, yeah. share this photo so you can see it. Um, that's that's Cat and Dies right there. Uh, the logo, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It really I definitely looks think like that's Cat and Dies. Dies. Oh, that's um, a bad. That's a bad design. <laughs> and that's the weird thing is like that's the. John Taffer, I'm sure you know this, Ian, but John Taffer will change the name of a venue, change the change the signage entirely, completely overhaul the outside whenever he wants to. And this is the one that he didn't touch. And I don't understand that at all. Um, so, yeah. I'm they ran out of all, money. They ran out of money. <laughs> I'm looking at all their fun promotions on this website. Uh, this place looks much less nice than this now. And it didn't, that doesn't even look that nice. So, um, anyway, it was an adventure. Uh, we survived. So, you know, that's what really matters. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was my, that was my trip to a bar rescue bar. So, uh, anything else on your mind, anything you'd like to talk about, or should we let these people go about their Saturday evenings in peace? Cause they're all listening right now along with us. Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm so sorry, folks. Like you, this is a live broadcast and you've been yeah. spindled. Um, I'm gonna go see Cody and Camry tomorrow, like 12 years too late, but you know, that they, but they're still kicking. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that that's should be true. fun. How's the uh how's the peacock journey going? Fun, great. I mean, I know this isn't this isn't the soccer podcast, but I watched some some uh you know hot spurs today. Yeah. Watched them smash uh Southampton. I was like, you know what? This team must suck, but I don't care. It works. And you've been watching some wrestling too. Wrestling. I, I, I got to finish SummerSlam. I'm halfway through SummerSlam. Oh man, you got to see that main event. It's 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 nuts, man. It's fucking crazy. The Triple H era is different. Different things are happening, and it's so it's so weird. Um, to be like for years have been like, oh, this guy 
this Vince McMahon guy, he's like the problem with this company. Like everything that's wrong with the company goes through him. And then like he leaves, which you never expected to happen if he didn't die. And then like immediately you're like, oh yeah, like he was literally the problem with this company. Like, like that's fun and that's fun and that's cool and this cool thing's happening, you know? And like not everybody agrees with everything and I get that, but like, it was such an immediate, I, I kind of didn't expect the switch to be that immediate, you know, cause I thought there'd be more like, um, you know, more recovery and like more, more, more time to like kind of collect yourself and figure out what's going on with Triple H immediately. Like, nope, bringing back all the people he fired that I didn't want him to. And like <laughs> changing how, like all of the, all of the recent television shows have had like, a hundred times more actual in-ring wrestling than like it ever did under Vince McMahon and just all sorts of stuff like that. It's great. It's a fun time. If you, if you were ever a wrestling fan and want to try getting back into it, it's a fun time too. I know some folks out there will say, you know, AEW is better. Um, I disagree with that. Everybody entitled to their own opinion, but you know, now it's definitely different on the WWE side before everything was pretty, pretty rough. And now it's, it's definitely a different experience. So, you know, everybody likes their stuff, um, but it's nice to see some of the people that you did like that then got fired and let go by Vince and, you know, kicked into not so greener pastures come back and immediately be in a prominent role again so um yeah that's it that's all i got i'll stop talking i'll stop flapping my gums and we can get out of here probably a shorter episode i don't know what we're at like probably an hour or so um mm. but you know pretty soon we'll launch into our our structured content for the off season i guess we'll probably start that next week right we'll yeah. pick a pick a division or a prospect pyramid or something and do it uh world juniors also starts i think uh like Pretty tuesday soon. tuesday yeah. wednesday i think it's the ninth so um yeah uh it'll be fun but um sorry about this one if it dragged a little bit if it was a little depressing you know that's what the blues are doing to us this summer but that's august baby that's right the cardinals red hot they didn't get juan soto but they got the keys to my heart by winning a lot of games and beating the yankees twice in a row which i don't know if anyone's ever done this they season, to, to be honest yeah one I was, nothing i was at the game yesterday at a box, oh, and it was did you leave early I, I sure did i sure oh! did see i missed it we left we left as they as they scored to make it three two and we were uh, like eh, it was a close game but you know I'm tired. Then we left and I was like, I was I wasn't that tired. Oh yeah. And you you're too young to do the I'm tired. I, I, I ate so much food in this you're box. You're in a box. I, that's true. I mean, I've ate so much food. Dude, I yeah. look around and people are like just kind of like nibbling on stuff the whole time, just like a and little bit. Like, and I'm like, dude, what the yeah, I'm like what the fudge, dude? I'm eating like dude. three hot dogs. I'm like loading on nachos. They brought they brought dessert in. I had like a piece of cake, and then later they brought a whole freaking pizza in and i was like i'm so full but if you're gonna bring me a pizza i'll go eat a piece of pizza. yeah dude if if you were in a place i assume you didn't pay for these tickets oh no no no, no, no yeah no. if you're in a situation where someone else has paid for an endless amount of food to be brought to you it is not only your right it is your duty <laughs> to be like a human swine and just like garble <laughs> as much as you can we had uh one of our one of our um our the company president took a couple of us out to like a Brazilian barbecue the other mm. night 
and similar like and he was actually joking about it because he's like uh he's a german guy ian you know nick west but mm. the, the people don't but like he was actually joking about it because he was like okay i you cannot go get rice because we have to win we have to beat that <laughs> so it's like don't fill up on sides that's how they get you you have to just eat meat and so true. Have, have you been to one of those places i have been yeah because i've they've t- i've heard about them i've never been before it's like intimidating how quickly they're just like bringing meat to oh yeah you and you're just like uh but man we 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 threw down some meat that night and i think we did win but um yeah, anytime, I don't care, you know, I don't care if you're keto, I don't care if you're vegan, I don't care if you're on a on a health plan, if you're gluten intolerant, if somebody has provided you a limitless supply of free food, you eat as much of it as you can and thank your lucky stars for it, you know. People starve, there are people in this world who starve and you're telling me you're going to walk into a stadium box and just have like two nachos, like no, come on. People are just that, grabbing like popcorn, I'm like what the that's fuck right. is wrong with you bro? Yeah, exactly, that's broken you're broken um you're basics they had had some pretty good um i think it was like brisket brisket mac and cheese Uh i was like dang that's good shit yeah have you ever had at dailies the nachos down there oh maybe once maybe a long time they make them with uh the like the goat's head the fancy fancy chips and the Mm. spicier ones too you really should try it they're like the bomb it's i gotta go there again yeah, it's a good pot, a spot. Maybe when I'm back on Veterans Day, we can go down there or whatever, Labor Day, the new one, the like, closest one. It's like um, Veterans Day. That's like November. Yeah. I won't I'll be back right after that for Thanksgiving, but who's coming up for Veterans Day? Oh, it's time. Frankie's (laughs) ready for us to be done. So uh, that's the Frankie call of doom. We have to end the podcast within 60 seconds or he'll eat my my face. Oh, there's the second warning. Uh, Folks, thanks for joining us. If you have listened so far tonight. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying this. If you've listened, if you're hearing this, you've listened. We're running out of Frankie's clock. I'm going to stop talking now. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day slash evening slash whatever. See you.